Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan. And I think I can say with a degree of certainty that today's episode will be one that many people will enjoy. I don't want to step out of the batter's box and call shots too often because, uh, you know, not everything is going to resonate with everyone equally. And so it's subjective and therefore it's in the eye of the beholder. But this conversation with Cam Jansen and Reed Lowe presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is one of my favorite episodes in the, I, I guess I can say close to two year history of the show. We're approaching two years. We started on October 1st, 2017. And and it's, uh, it's getting within range of saying that. But either way, year and a half plus of shows, this is one of my favorite um, because it, it's, like, it's like perfect with the passion of Cam and Reed, uh, the emotion of recalling various elements of the Blues season. And I'm not talking about just like starting with the Winnipeg series. We're going back uh, to what was wrong and to moments that define the turnaround and to isolated moments in each series that defined the series, uh, plus their emotion from being in the parade and, of course, the moment when the Blues lift the Stanley Cup. I think you will love this. And they start yelling at each other about a variety of things, but it's all in good fun, uh, even though they certainly get fired up. That's what hockey guys do. Loved this episode. Uh, it got to a point where I'm like, I got to cut it off. Otherwise, we're going to sit here for five hours. But uh, I, I'm, I I can speak with a sense of confidence that you're going to love this. Um, and it's the kind of stuff I love doing. It's when I'm doing things like this where I go, I'm so glad I get to do this for a living. And I've gotten to do it. And whenever it comes to an end, whenever it might be, might be today, uh, that I will be going, yeah. I mean, 20 years in my hometown market and the Blues win the Stanley Cup and I get to sit with two guys who played and wore the note on their sweater and relive this incredible, incredible run, turnaround and euphoric result with two guys who care about it more than anybody. I mean, that was, I loved it. And and therefore, I don't usually say this. I say, I loved this conversation. In this case, I love this conversation and I think you will enjoy this conversation. So the best thing for me to do is just to get the hell out of the way and say this. Without Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com, without Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, without James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, without Design Air Heating and Cooling online at DesignAirService.com, the number one train dealer in the West, and without Johnny Londoff Chevrolet at Londoff.com, Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit, we would not have 
the ability to do this. These sponsors make it possible. So if you'd like to sponsor the show, email me at teamrecurrentinsidestl.com. If you'd like other conversations like this, email me suggestions at teamrecurrentinsidestl.com. I can tell you this, Gangster Pete and Iggy, we give them an idea. They'll run with it uh, and, and try and bring the people on the show. So fire away. And really, you know, and I, 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 I don't like to say, well, there's no such thing as a bad suggestion. It's just like, yeah, it'd be cool to hear you talk to President Trump. Well, it's not, that's just not, it's not realistic. But within the scope of reality, fire a bullet. Who knows? You know, I mean, hell, John Hamm was on the damn thing a week and a half ago. So, uh, team McKernan inside STL.com. Thank you to all the sponsors who make it possible. Our studio sponsor is Ryan Kelly. He's the home loan expert. His business continues to grow at the home loan expert.com because he has a way to make it work. And what he does is, well, sure he markets incredibly well, but when he gets people to call him or to go to the homeloanexpert.com, they take care of him better than anybody else does. And that's why the word of mouth spreads. It goes, yeah, listen, you need a mortgage. You're going to refinance. There's really only one name to know. Ryan Kelly, the homeloanexpert.com. Boy, I don't know about what your neighborhood's like. I know this around where I live, homes go on the market and then they're off the market so quickly, like the for sale signs on and then the sold signs on. And it's like immediately. So be armed with pre-approval through the homeloanexpert.com or capitalize on the home values increasing, the interest rates dropping, and go to the homeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor. All right. So without further ado, here in the homeloanexpert.com studios, going down memory lane, boys, with Reed Lowe and Cam Jansen presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Here are our guests on the Tim McKernan Show this week. All right, I, I got to make sure I start with this because Stephen Wilde, you know Stephen Wilde with mm-hmm. Cam? You probably don't know who he is, uh, Reed. Uh, Stephen Wilde texted when I said you guys were coming in and said you two, he thought, might have gotten into it during game six. Is that true? Was that Mikey's box? Game six. Oh, when we got smoked. No, you probably pissed me off when I turned around and, and, and this is why I started with a chest or something. Strategy. And then you I, got, I doubt you, know. you. I doubt you hit me because that would be a, well. It'd a be embarrassing that not even someone as stupid as you would be. It'd be, embar- it'd be embarrassing in front of you know the organization. Yeah. Well, we. You know, I know we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get into it, but I think sometimes when you and I go at it, it's it looks like it we're does. in it. Like. There's, there's times when guys are like, whoa, settle down, and then we're just we're like, yeah, around. Like, so what's going on? So the Blues are getting their asses kicked in that game, and are you guys getting tight and starting going back and forth about it? Is that what's, what's going on? No, I think it was more like you like something stu- you bumped into me. Oh, and spilled, <laughs> I might have you spilled it. my beer all over my freaking suit. Oh, that's suit. right. Yeah, I did. I did. All over and my, you had to go now talk. I got to get it dry clean now. Yeah. Now I got to get it dry you clean. You know what? It's been like 10 bucks. days. Get off your wallet. At the time, I had something to do the next day, and and I, I only have one suit. suit. I only have Times are tough, eh? It, it fits good on me, damn it. Maybe you got a little fat too in your I, retirement I, age. I go up and down with it. I go up and down with it. For if you two go, who wins? I'm assuming that you guys have gone back and forth before, right? Well, These skates. I if, if we were both in our prime, I'll answer first. Okay. If we were both in our prime, we'd kick the shit out of each other. And that's the end of it. And it'd go a long way, and you'd switch hands on me, and I'd try to trade, and maybe you'd catch me a little bit, then I'd slow it down and get my groove back. I I, I could I vision this in my head a lot because I, I, I vision at this. Least I love you're not that. thinking about me while you're in the shower. He keep track of that. Does that make sense? I envision, envision this in my head. Is it envision? Visualize. Either way. I, I visualize this. Thank you, Timothy. <laughs> on the ice sometimes, and that's really when I get pissed at you more than anything is on the ice. Off the yeah. ice, like, yeah, we're joking. But I do. We'd kick the shit out of each other and be an awesome fight. Reed, do you uh, agree with that? I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, me, and my, me and my prime, I wouldn't have let Cam... 
do what he did to everybody because the, the game, my fighting style was different than the fighting style that kind of came in after that 0405 lockout Technical where stuff. those guys were standing here and they were kind of giving those jabs yeah. like that. Like I would have guys squared up and they didn't get to hit me unless I wanted to, unless your name was George LaRock and then you ragdolled me like a schoolgirl and I just tucked <laughs> my man. tail between my legs and said, you know what? I got, everybody's got their guy that kicks their ass. So here we go. Uh, no, we probably would have had a good fight. Cam's. Can't, I, 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 I give him all kinds of help about being a middleweight and stuff, but, you know, having a guy that size knocking heavyweights out and the guys that he beat the crap out of, uh, it's it's not something that I really sit here today and go, man, I wish I would have fought Cam Jansen. Like that's, <laughs> you know, I would have fought him, but I would you know I wasn't excited to beat his ass even though I would have. He may be. I mean, <laughs> I, I'll take my ass. Whooping. I'll take it. Take oh. it like a man. I know one thing. Uh, we don't know who would have won that fight, but... He, neither of us were scared, but Cam definitely wasn't scared. Yeah. Bulldog Cam. I'm scared now. You're scared now? I'm we're scared, scared now for a lot of things. Oh. Lot of so we're coming off the parade, boys. Uh, and, and everybody who went to that says it was one of the greatest days of their lives. What was it like from your perspectives in the positions you were in for that thing? I was astonished. Um, the people, like at, at, at the very end of the parade, we kind of took a, a, a right turn on Broadway. Yeah. And then we took another left turn kind of down at the bottom of the arch where that church is. And there was, like, you can't even see the ballpark village sign in the picture I have because there was so many people that were standing up on that thing, which is 10 or 15 feet off the yeah. ground. And they are just conglomerated all the way through that. The parking garages that have the circle driveway up just loaded all the way to the top. People on rooftops, top of bus stops, hanging out of window ledges, like... Anywhere somebody could find a place to stand and look, it was just absolute bedlam. I took tons of video and tons of pictures, and I'm not usually like that, but there was nothing else to do. It was, uh, and I always said, if the St. Louis Blues ever win the Stanley Cup, Market Street will never be the same, and I just don't think it ever will be. I don't, you know, it's just even if the Blues win another Stanley Cup, you can try and you can try and do that again, and I'm sure that the players will because they'll have heard of all the things that happened, and I believe St. Louis will win another Stanley Cup. But you'll never, ever reenact that first time, yeah. that first yeah. day, that 53 years, people have been waiting for something, no yeah. matter how crazy it is, um, just with everything from being in last place to a song to, you know, the guys having all the different things stacked up against them that they did, hand pass, overtime goals going against them and coming back and winning two straight games, like all the things that happened. Uh, and just the group of guys that came together was, I think, really what made this special. Yeah, the, the story won't be the same ever again. I mean, that's just, I mean, this is a... Uh, Hollywood story, yeah. in my opinion, and really is in so many different ways. There's so many different storylines. It's everybody came out of the woodworks too. Eh? I mean, like for, and we we chirp Hall because of what you know, he's, you know, flipping guy. I, he can do that stuff. The one <laughs> thing I would say that, and I said this on your show to me, is he's there, like he he's there. He's 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 mingling with fans and he's doing this, he's doing that. He's not sitting. He could be anywhere else. I mean, anywhere else, but he. He loves the city, and for him to be around and, and do what he did, everybody loves him. But to, to, go, to, to go off on the, on, the, on the parade a little bit more, and when we get there and we all go in the McBride box and we're watching the guys take pictures and all yeah. the families that are out there, it was, it was really, really cool. And we finally jump on our, our, um, our, our, our truck. Uh, YP jumps on with us. I only think had you ever watch. met YP before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You had met him? Have I met him? Because no, you were on the show the with time. me, and yeah. we bullshitted with him. the guy yeah. with the chinchilla. The chinchilla, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, it's the first time I'd ever met him, and when he jumped on, I was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> and did he just get out of 1996? Was he in a coma? Yeah. What the hell happened to this guy? You know, day. like, he he owns it. Everywhere from his, like, his running shoes, I was like, 
How do you find a pair of and shoes like that? Socks. You know, to his his shitty shorts, <laughs> to his 1996 red striped blues <laughs> he jacket. Took, hey, he that probably had, took some chips like, down that night too. That's the Taco Bell yes, stains on the front, yeah. and it's just unbelievable. He's and, and by the way, he played college hockey. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Nah, yeah. He said he saw me at the rink when we were, you know, when I was down at Chesterfield all the time. He was at the rink all, you know, you cross paths with everybody. He in didn't the flash world. is what you're telling me. No, I talked to him before. <laughs> I met him before, but, you know, um, a lot of things went down. I got hit in the head. It is what it is. He wasn't wearing that outfit either. He wasn't wearing that outfit. If he was wearing that outfit back then, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember now. you. You stick yeah. out. Um, but, yeah, so we get on that thing and. We start getting after really fast. So when you oh. say getting after, you boys are at a level that I can't possibly comprehend. Are you just like pounding beers? Are there is there other booze going yeah, on? Yeah, we have champagne on? too. I, champagne? I almost chipped my tooth a couple times. You hit yeah. a bump, you're like, Goo-goo. oh, 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 baby. And I think it was Channel Five gave it me was. a GoPro. I don't I don't know where it's at. I don't know where it's at. I'm kind of worried about it. Kind of worried about it. I'm glad that nobody knows where it's at. You should be too. I'm filming you the whole time. Filming you the whole time. But it was really, really cool. And and when when you interact with the fans, I mean, having that, you know, you're like, yeah. And everybody's like, yeah. It's like you're a lead singer in a a rock band, which I always want to be. And uh, it's just, we, we took full advantage. But the blues would be able to put that on. In such short time, you got to think like all oh, this just came together. So you got to put on all these events. You got to take who we taking care of, who gets afloat, who's involved, who's this, who's that. And I think they did a hell of a job uh, putting that bad boy together so quick. And they really, really gave us an opportunity to be with the cop, to hang out with it, to do whatever we want with it and for a couple of days, hang out with all the guys and stuff like that. Give us our own float. Pretty cool. Do, I mean, do other teams do that? Uh, it was, did the Raptors have an alumni I don't thing? Think so. and I don't, I'd be I, surprised. I, I think that hockey again will just come back and hockey's a little different when it comes to alumni and, and what about other the, hockey the legacy though? yeah but i yeah i doubt it i doubt that they do to that level like, so like maybe what was they, the caps parade like last year do you have any idea i mean well, i have no idea i think I that i think that the guys like i know brent johnson works for the team as a as a an analyst as right? an analyst and he got like they got different grades of rings that you got but his is still yeah. really nice you yeah. know but it's not like what the players got um but i think it was just the guys so like typically other teams you know you'd have your brett hall your al mckinnis your bernie federko you know probably your kelly chase and and you're Bruce Affleck, and mm-hmm. those would be the guys that would be involved, the guys that are in, orchestrated inside the team. But with Tom, it's a completely different story because Tom's been a hockey fan for so long, and Tom has so many friends of the alumni. He skates with us yeah. on, on in the mornings, and and he interacts with us all the time. And you know the board of directors, which I'm on, and soon Cam probably will be on. You know Tom invites us a couple times a year to bring our significant others to his box and hang out with them, and he wants the Blues alumni to be instrumental in what is. And you know I think when you take a look at other teams, this has happened, but you know St. Louis is the best hockey town in in the NHL as far as I'm concerned. The Canadian teams, you know, Canada's just crazy when it comes to hockey. But when you talk about something that had nothing and what the Blues alumni, starting from John Winsink and Larry Patey and Mike Zook and Bruce Affleck and that generation of guys have done in this mm-hmm. town to lead up to the, the Browns and the Kachucks yep. and the five first-round draft picks and now winning the Cup and guys like Cam being the first St. Louis in the league and now there was like at any given time last year, the year before, there was like 13 kids that were born and raised and lived in St. Louis and grew up and played hockey here and went to their colleges from here. like And felt like they had a chance. Yeah, the yeah. alumni yeah. is what's done that. And my brother-in-law up in Canada, he always tells me, he's like, you know, the United States is real lucky that a bunch of Canadians went down there and found American women. <laughs> USA hockey would never be what it is today. Damn right. Damn right. Gotta go with the flow on that. But even, even um, our alumni box is awesome. I mean, it's big and... 
it no other booze. team has that. No one other no, team has I went, that. So I went to the Devils, you know. Yeah. But you know, Lou's not there anymore, so it's kind of it's still different. The fans are so, but you know, there's it, it's a lot different. And I and, and they don't have an alumni box. It's just a regular suite. There's it's not catered with bartenders and just booze everywhere. You know, you got to kind of pay for your own stuff. Although they took care of me, but it was it, it was empty. I mean, it was absolutely empty. I didn't see. Even the guys that were working there, I didn't even see. I saw Marty and Patrick Eliash and guys like that. But like, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, like, wow, we we do have it really good. But we do a lot of stuff though. Like, there's always stuff to do, and there's gonna be a lot of stuff to do this summer. And we're like, yeah, golf tournaments out the wazoo. Are you going Monday, by the way? Yeah, yeah I'm going cool. Monday. Where are you boys playing? Uh, was it well, Westboro? Was it Westboro. Westboro. Oh, it's yeah. my track. Yeah, it's, it's my home office. office. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the um, say, Missouri. Uh, Hall of Fame. I, I think yep. it's the amateur hockey. Amateur, Hall of Fame. amateur. Yeah, Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. So, but, yeah. but before, again, like just to come back to it, we wouldn't have the alumni box we have today if it wasn't for Tom Stillman. Like the box we had when Checkets was here and the the Blues alumni had. Yeah, they give you a little suite up in the corner and you fit twelve to fourteen people in there. And and then Tom came along and took three the the big bud suite next to it and combine it all together and we give out 25 tickets a night to different charities that we don't even see that donation through our alumni association that's just straight tickets right to this you know they get a little certificate and then they get two four five six thousand twelve hundred fifteen what do they get for those tickets that goes right in to their pocket 25 tickets a night and so it's Tom Stillman and his involvement with the Blues alumni you know we got to go to a party with just the, the players and their families and the alumni and the management on Friday night, and again, I just I don't see that invite coming to any other team yeah. or even to the St. Louis Blues if it's not for Tom Stillman and, and Chris Zimmerman and how instrumental they are in making sure that the Blues alumni, because of the group of people we have here, and the Blues are in in, in We together. got it good. And we, we got it real good. good. Yeah. And we take advantage of it. And but lo- it's a privilege. Blues and I take advantage of it, too. Don't, don't get me wrong. But uh, we also work, we, we, we work our asses off with all kinds of charities and stuff like that. So it is what it is, and we like doing that kind of stuff, but... You know, I, I think that's it's not necessarily talked about enough how how we're treated as a whole with this organization. And how know? it changed. I didn't realize it yeah. changed with Tom Stillman's ownership. Yeah. That's uh, eye-opening. That's it, yeah. and, and, again, the alumni always was taken care of here, and the alumni has always worked here. Like, you know, it's obviously Bobby Plager right off the bat. Yeah. Bobby retired, he came into it, and then Bruce Affleck. And there's been guys that played on the team all the way along that were always a part of the team in some way, shape, or form. So they've always had at least— Those Canadians want to stay down here. Funny how that works, Halos. <laughs> hey, uh, funny how that works, Halos. Well, you know, it's a great town. I love it. I call it home. But there's a little bit of this thing called cold weather and snow that really drove me away from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Minus minus stuff, stuff, no, no. Stuff, I didn't know any better when I was 10, Cam. No, right? No, now you, you turn 25 and you realize <laughs> that there's— other temperatures in the world that are a thousand times better. You're like, see you later, Moose Jaw. You guys are now a place to visit, but it'll always have a spot in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> all right, now that it's all over, I want and, and I know there's always going to be that line. You can't air out certain things, and I respect that. So you can bullshit me whenever I hit one that you can't hit on. But what was going on in October, November, and December? A combination of things. Okay. Uh, well, they weren't bought into the system. That's as a and are we whole, talking or, about Mike or, maybe, or maybe they didn't have a system, or maybe whatever the case is. Okay, they they they, they weren't bought in. What does that do? Well, when 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 all of a sudden and, and you're, you're not they didn't have goaltending too. So you had all you had to, when you don't have goaltending, you that's can't, a domino effect. It's you can't evaluate your team properly, in my opinion. You know, he lets a week go in. Whose falls that you go through the line? No. What do you change? It just it's a pain in the ass. You don't have great goaltending. You're not bought into the system, or if there is a system. And what does that do to a to a room when you it have 
completely divides it. Does so it? your big boys aren't stepping up. Now you got these young kids getting called up because there's no other, like, what's going on mm. here? They start getting power play time. You know, Schwartz, he's like, well, what the hell? Well, you're not scoring. Okay, well, this is my jam. I'm making this. I should be in this situation. It causes rift, blame here and there. And that's natural. And that's every team goes through that. And and who, what teams can crawl out of it? But that's exactly what happens. And the only way to really cure that, and you could remember Petro was get people ragging on Petro and Steiner and this big thing. And, yeah, they probably hated each other a couple times. Probably hated each other. I mean, shit is Brothers going down. Hate each other. Mm-hmm. You were looking in the paper. You, your, your wife's talking to people at the gas station. What, like, it all adds up, and you guys are together every fucking day, yeah. every day. Pardon my language, but no, it is what it is. Free-for-all. Every day. And so it just it naturally causes rift in the locker room. And, again, the only way to cure that is to get a system in play, you get a head coach, and you win. And you start winning, and you start playing the right way, and everybody starts buying in, and it's a slow process, and it's exactly what happened. It's not and it was easy, unbelievable to watch. It's not an easy process, and I think when I take a look back at right at the beginning of the summer, I think you got to go to the summertime before you look at what happened in October, November, December. And in the summertime, Doug Armstrong did some things that people are like, wow, did he make this team faster? Is that what everybody's supposed to do by signing a Patrick uh, uh, Maroon? And, and, and you know, I'm not saying that Ryan O'Reilly's not fast, but he is. But did he? what did he do? Was it good? And I was super excited about the team. And most then you, people were. Then you, we, yeah, most people, most people were. were. And so 100%. you take a look at, you know, a guy like Jay Bolmeister that had hip surgery and probably wasn't ready to come back at the beginning of the season, but did. Patrick Maroon know. had a knee and back surgery and probably wasn't ready to come back, but he was a hometown kid that he had to do. And then you take a look at one, by the way. 91 was kind of has never really been pushed to the point that um, Baruby pushed him to this year, right? Where it's like, hey, listen, you're not going to play on the power play. How's that sound? And he's always been given like that, like that little kid that never had any consequences to pay. And when you take a look at Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly coming in, who probably could be a captain, probably could be the captain mm-hmm. on this team. Obviously, Petro, I think, has done a great job, but he's a, he's a guy that's that elite level, that elite on-the-ice leadership where his work ethic and the way that he acts on the ice takes over for everything. It really doesn't matter what he says because he shows it with his action. And then trying to find that jostle of the new guys, right? You've got you've got a lot of personalities, and we dealt with it in 2002, 2003 when we had like guys like Mike Keen and Scott Melby and Keith Kachuk and Al McKinnis and Chris Pronger. Those are all guys that were captains and could be captains in the National Hockey League, and I think that with an Alex Dean and a Ryan O'Reilly and even a guy like Jay Bomeister that's been around for as long as he has, it was just a natural time for those guys to try and figure out where they were at and what happened. And when you couple in the fact that, you know, like Cam said, there was the goaltending wasn't there, and that Jake Allen had had glimmers and signs of being a number one goalie, but had never really pushed the pedal to the metal mm-hmm. and shown and proven that he was a number one goalie. He was still in a land Sparks. of potential, right? And yeah. you know, that's why I would question the signing that he was given. I know why it was given, so that we can say, hey, now you got the you've got the contract. You're the guy. Yeah. But that's a tough one to happen to to sign if it doesn't work out for you in the back end. And I think that you just couple everything with the guys kind of getting into it in practice and nitnacking and guys realizing was that, there well, more than Sanford and Bortuzzo I don't oh, think so I, but well, I think there was probably a lot but of that chirping. just happens that just happens yeah, that's, yeah. I, I didn't like it ten, but 10 years ago that's not a big deal we used to see fights in practice all the time like it wasn't it wasn't even a, a thing but obviously there's no fighting now so a fight in practice yeah is but, a huge Lose, deal, Lose, but maybe we're, we I had you on we talked about this yeah well, there's first fights. off it wasn't really even a fight because for me, in That's order to saying. be constituted as a fight, both guys have to have their gloves off. Mm-hmm. Here's my and here's my, Sanford still had his on. I think he wore them in the shower that day. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't, he, he doesn't know. Though. I understand. Look, I know. I'm just the, giving the, up some. I gave Bertuzzo a bunch of shit because I'm like, motherfucker, you, you, your your toughest, most angriest fight 
ever in your career is against a kid that's never fought ever, that didn't even have his gloves off at the time, and you threw harder against him than you did anybody else in your career. And yeah, I know there's fights, and we I fought so many teammates, and they're all bigger. But it wasn't. I didn't pump a fucking rookie and fight, go toe to toe with him, and then not go toe to toe with McGratton. Like fuck you. What are you doing? And then and so, I I, I bullshit him hard. I remember doing it on a podcast. I remember doing KMOX. I remember doing it everywhere. And I'm like, Man, you better do something. And know what he did? You know what he did that next fucking game. Goes right after Tom Wilson and trades punch with Tom Wilson at center ice in freaking uh, Enterprise Center. Damn right, Bert. Okay, now you're back. Yeah. Okay, now you're back. You lost your mind. You lost on Sanford. Sanford took a beating, a nasty-ass uppercut. Showed up. It is what it is. And that, and then he goes out there and goes toe-to-toe. Does that send a message? you got damn right. If he wouldn't have done that. <laughs> like Jack if, Nicholson, Tom Cruise. I'm telling you. That was great. <laughs> he stood up to the plate, straight, squared off with him, and actually didn't just take a beating. Like sometimes you want to square off guys, and you're like, you uh. know, I'm just going to hold on and get thrown. No, no, no. He's like, I'll trade with you. Oh, Could have got knocked out, but he sucked it up because he knew he had to yeah. after doing that with Sanford. And, 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 and that... All the guys went fucking right. Yeah. There's, there's one. There's one other thing that that I've been talking about on the radio for the last three weeks, probably four weeks, that I think has, for me, gone unnoticed. And I think this guy would be happy that it did go unnoticed. But uh, Larry <laughs> Robinson is a guy that came in and actually spent some time on the bench in early January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, that yeah. was that was right after the November 18th firing of Mike Yo and or Yo or however the hell you say it. <laughs> And they didn't really, they really, the Blues didn't really have that spark that you usually see when there's a firing and a coach gets canned like that. And so they kind of went in, and I think, like, they just said, hey, I know Larry doesn't want to be on the bench, but, like, just go down and be around and be in the dressing room and kind of get these guys. Like, this is, a at the time, a nine-time Stanley Cup winner, Hall of Famer, uh, changed the game as a guy that was six foot five uh, and could skate like he did back in the Montreal Canadiens leading yeah. that back end and, and re, re, like was one of those guys like Bobby Orr that kind of brought the offensive defenseman game out and, and but also had a tremendous defensive game, and he's – just insanity about his defensive game and how to play a defensive system. And he takes his defensive system into the offensive zone as well. And I think that when you take a look at what he brought, his level of composure – I really look at that being right about the same time that the Blues kind of started to get it together. You're right. That really has really, flown under the it, radar. It really, it, it really, those two things kind of came together. Yeah. And I think Larry Robinson deserves a tremendous amount of credit for what happened to this hockey team and them getting on page because they went from a team that was just flying and running and gunning and trying to do everything themselves to a team that played with controlled chaos. And when I say controlled chaos, I'm talking about getting in on the forecheck and really punishing the other team's defense. And then knowing that, the defenseman in the offensive zone, without a shadow of a doubt, when that puck comes around the wall, you're gone. Mm-hmm. You're not waiting for somebody to come back. You're crack, cracking down. You're pinching on that forward. You're trying to cause chaos. The second forward's now coming in and helping out there, and that third forward's coming back out, and he's protecting that defense in case that yeah. puck gets gets by. And I think draw that, it up for the listeners. I think that I think it has a. I think it's a huge deal to have that. C- commitment to know that that defenseman can pinch down and that he's going to have some safety back there and those guys are going to come back and that's what they needed and they brought that system to play and I think that uh, with the, with obviously goaltending, you know, goalies just don't come in every day and put 20, what, 21, 24 and 4 with a one whatever goals against average and Eight shutouts or whatever he did. We'll compare him to Patrick Wall. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm not going to go there just yet. Can I, you know, we could compare the rookie seasons. Let's see, let's see how the rest of the life goes. Well, let's see. I mean, you know, I think Patrick Wall yeah. was 19 too at that time, wasn't he? So it's yeah. a little different story. And not that it's not, you can't compare it because you can. It was unbelievable. But back to the fact that they had somebody 
that, and it just Cam Cam can talk about this too. Like when you have a goaltender in net that makes that extra save that you know you can count on, it just makes you play with a little bit more ease. Momentum like you can save. go here. Oh, he made a big save for us. Yep, that's what he does. Let's go get one for him. Yeah. You know, just like kind Daddy of Padre did this morning. Daddy Padre reference. <laughs> I'll bring him up. I'll bring him up. And you know I'll who Daddy Padre is really again today? Yeah. I, we kicked ass and took I was names, this baby. close to waking up this morning no, coming you and kicking Don't your you ass. Don't lie to me, son. Daddy Padre is out today. and I, and I was He was your net minder today. I was scrambling to get it going. I'm like, okay, D Padre, you're coming out tomorrow. You How many do you up. call before you call Daddy Padre? About 15. Mm-hmm. I go, D Padre got called to the big leagues. So he's like, okay, yeah, I'm there. <laughs> Now, he's this, usually stocking vending machines this at This morning, morning at 5, we're on a 6.30. Oh, oh, my God. Texas, hey, Cam, I've been puking all night. Bullshit. I've been puking. Now, who's saying this? You <laughs> no, or Danny no, Padre? No, no, Danny Padre. They knew that I was sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Everybody does. That's not a secret. Texas me. And when you don't have a goalie, it ruins the skate. And these boys take it serious. So I go, he texts me. He goes, I'm puking. I go, Get your fucking ass there. 6.30. Don't be late. Okay, I'm there. Oh, he goes out it. there and plays great. Is he that right? He played great. He played great. Iggy needs to hear this. Yeah, Iggy needs, to, needs hear this. to hear this. Doug, they all do. They all do. But uh, it was a fun one this morning. Hope you're enjoying this one. My guess is that you are. And without Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, we wouldn't even have the opportunity to bring it to you. So please support the sponsors. The sponsors make the thing go wrong. I started saying that years ago on TMA. People understood that's the program. Well, that's the program for the podcast as well. Mark Hanna is at Evergreen Wealth Strategies. His number is 314-889-0503. And go online at evergreenstl.com. I screwed up managing my money in my 20s and most of my 30s. I regret it like crazy. Now I track every single dollar. I'm not saying you need to do that. I just do it now. And now I can see where I am like, oh, here's where I was six months ago. Here was where I was 12 months ago. Here's where I was 18 months ago. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what caused this to go this way, this way. And you just feel like you're in control, even though maybe when it gets down to it, I suppose that you're at the, 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 the mercy of the marketplace, but still you're in control because you know what's coming in and you know what's going out and where it's going. And so that is the difference. Something as simple as that, but that's something that, Mark Hanna from Evergreen Wealth Strategies can get you on the right track on evergreenstl.com, 314-889-0503. I got this email. I love this email. Let me pull this up. Uh, Top of the morning, Tim. Uh, I have been a longtime listener of the show going back to the morning grind days and recently your podcast. I have enjoyed the show more than I care to admit. You've always been good about, quote, keeping the content fresh and leaving the audience wanting more, end quote. Thank you, Jason Barrett. I fall into the 37-year-old demographic for reference purposes. I don't email or text in. Just a plain old listener. Okay, enough with eliminating. I wanted to let you know that I reached out to Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies this morning to set up a time for my wife and I to sit down with him and was contacted back in less than 20 minutes. Of course, I mentioned that I heard about his company from advertising on the podcast, but wanted to pass along to you as well. He thanked me for, quote, supporting the sponsors, and we have an appointment to talk with him later this week. Keep doing what you do because it truly is working, and that comes from Brian. Don't know if he wants his whole name out there. Brian with a Y. Uh, and we thank him for that. It speaks to, you know, the cat and I were talking about this on TMA, and I think I've probably said it before, but it really is, and I, I don't know. I don't know why it does seem to be this way, but, yeah, there have certainly been exceptions. When you have 15 years of shows, there are going to be some that aren't great. But our sponsors are really good people with quality businesses, which is why we are able to endorse them. 
and get worked up about them and recommend them to our audience, I'm not going to steer people into something going, oh, yeah, I know this is bad or I know this dude's not good. So, you know, oh, well, I got to do the spot. I'm just not going to do it. Just not going to do it. So Mark and James Carl and Ryan Kelly and the Landoff family and Seth Goldcamp at Designer Eating. It's easy to talk about them because I know them. And I either have done business with them or I have sent family members to do business with them. I don't think twice about it. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. Or give him a call and let him know you heard about him on the show. 314-889-0503. He is our presenting sponsor of our guests this week. Back to Cam Jansen and Reed Lowe. Craig Berube comes in. And here's what I remember about the Craig Berube hiring. Joel Quenville got whacked a few days later. And everybody's like, oh, my God, will Quenville come here? And I remember texting with some guys, and they're going, I mean, I'm sure they'd love to get him, but he's going to cost too much money, and he's sitting on millions of dollars of the Blackhawks in the contract. And so then it just kind of became, okay, well, we'll let this Barubi guy play out the rest of the year, and then we'll see what happens come June. And then it begins. Now, it took about a month or so for it to begin, and you're right, Reed, with the, the Larry Robinson, but what was it, what is it about Craig Barubi that wound up leading to him. It seems like he commands respect, but he doesn't necessarily demand it. He just gets it by the way he conducts himself. I don't, I don't get to be in the dressing room as much as Cam does, but just watching the little blips that they have of, of how he is in the dressing room and just seeing how he is with the players. He there's to be a great coach. I think you have to have a great balance between you know being a hard ass and and being somebody that's going to put you in your place, and yet having enough compassion for these kids mm. today to understand that hey, if you need something or if you need to talk, or I'll give you some reasoning. I can't tell you how many times I was a healthy scratch, sixteen games in a row, and Joel Quimbo was my coach, and he would oh, skate 16. up to me. Oh, it was oh, dude, it was oh, terrible. Yeah, that's a, long that's a month stretch. and a half. That's a long. It was stretch. brutal. It was in uh, November and mid December oh. too. It was terrible. I was in, I was on such. In bad ways that I actually went to the marketing group and said, "Is there a couple schools you can get me to go read in? Because I need, I, I need to, I need to put some positivity exactly. in my life. Let me but, go hang out with some kids yeah. in the hospital." So, but he used to just walk by, tap me on the shin pads, and say, "You're not in tonight." Well, we went like six and nine in that stretch, and I'm like, uh, "At what point in time do I get in the lineup?" You know. Uh, but there's a there's a there's a there's a calmness that he brings to these guys. You know, he didn't change his ways. They were set in their system. They did it right. He he, punished is a word, but he held guys accountable, and you have to be able to do that. And once guys feel like they're held accountable, another thing that I think that I watched that I think he might have done, and I don't know, again, I wasn't there, but I just take a look at the play of Jay Bolmeister and how well he played the, down the backstretch and in the playoffs and how he gave kind of him and Pranko that role. You You call a guy into your office and you say, hey, listen, this is your job. We need you to do this. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, whew. And I just remember, like, when I first start, started fighting my first year in junior, I didn't really know when to go out and get in the fights and when not to. And my coach would be like, hey, go get number two. I was tough already, but now that I have a mission yeah. sent by my boss, by my coach, by my mentor, this guy's going to get his ass kicked. You know what I mean? And and there's a there's another level when you get an opportunity to have a coach that gets on a personal level and, and asks you, on an individual basis and, and explains to you what he needs from you. And I just look at the change over in the players and how that works. And I've been on teams where coaches have done that. And I think that, I think that he really got on a personal level with these guys and said, Hey, we've got the team to do this. If we put in the right effort and if we do it the right way. And I think that that's a, has a lot to go with it. Well, he already had respect. All right. Like you already respect. Right. Like, yeah, how yeah, you automatic not? respect. Like, go on YouTube minutes. and look what he did. Yeah. 1, games. Guy played a thousand games as, as a, Fourth line, 
tough guy. Not he didn't penalty kill. He let him power play, just grind in your face. I stick up for my fucking teammates. Yeah. Do you want to hit? Let's go. That kind of style just wears you out so much. So he already has that respect. Thousand, th- uh, thousand games, three thousand penalty minutes. I mean, that's already there. But then, how do you like present yourself to the guys? Like, how do you do? You, some guys, yeah, like you know, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. He does have a calm demeanor about himself, and I think that he doesn't need to be raw, raw, twenty four seven. He knows when to do it right before game. He knows when to do it a couple times here and there when when things are going bad. But he's he's pretty chill. Like, he's a quiet, cool, you know, just keeps it, you know, he just has, a again, a, a cool manner to himself. And he keeps the door open. Like, Pete, Pete DeBoer was tough. Like, Pete DeBoer, when I, he coached me, he wasn't very personal at all. I mean, at all. Very just just, just straight-lined. Uh, he get, he would get pissed here and there, but it was hard to talk to. He was hard to, he was hard to talk to. So if I went to his room, I, I it just, it just... I'd leave and I'm like, oh, what? Uh, what? I'm still confused, and that sucks. It's already intimidating enough as a young guy or it a guy is. in the national hockey league. Room? Yeah, just to talk I mean, to them. Like I remember getting yeah. on an elevator and you're like, well, so how many coaches did you? Which one do you guys play for? How many did you play for? Do you, do you even know? I played for Larry. I played for uh, uh, Claude uh, Claude Julian. I played for uh, Pat Byrne for a little bit. Um, uh, Andy Murray, Davis Payne, Pete DeBoer. Um, I'm missing somebody else there, but oh, Lou Lamarillo. Uh, so yeah, I, I got my it, yeah. plus juniors and growing up too. Like this is just a lot, and I could I could pick out a couple. Robbie Fatorik was a fucking awesome ass coach. Oh four lockout year, uh, he was great with me. Some guys were awesome uh, that I could I could like I could if I felt comfortable going to your your room like and and, and them explaining to me here, Cam, this just get the puck out, whatever whatever yeah. it was. It just made you feel so much more comfortable on the ice and practice every. But if I didn't have that vibe with them, then I'm like, ah, you're always just thinking. You're always just thinking, and it, and it wears you out. It wears you out. So, Craig Bruby has that style where you, even talking to him, like you're intimidated by him because he's fucking scary. But <laughs> I'm like, ah, I, I I get what you're saying to me. Even in a conversation when I'm in the locker room with him, I, I'm yeah. comfortable. Yeah. I don't know. Just like I am with you, Timmy. That, you know oh, that, my baby. God. Reed, what a nice little gesture that like was. That. There's a comparison between <laughs> me and Lou Lamarillo and same, Ruby. Same people. <laughs> that's, not the, that's not the first time that comparison's been made. No. What about you? Quenville, and did you get a taste of the kitchen era? I had, uh, you know, Joel was fired in the year before last, uh, the lockout there. So he was um, fired, like, in February, March of 04, yep. right? So then I had kitchen for the rest of that year, and then... Uh, I keep drawing a blank on who my coach was with my cup of coffee in Chicago. It wasn't Dennis Savard. It was a defenseman. He played for the Blackhawks forever. I can't think of his name, but I had lots of coaches like everybody does. Greg Gilbert coached me when I was in the minors right off the bat. He was uh, in St. Louis for a long time. Steve Plo, who is the general manager's uh, uh, son, Larry Larry Plo's son, he coached me for a bunch of years. Um, uh, um, Why are you looking at me? Why are you I, can't, at me? I can't remember all my coaches. Trigger something, Camel trigger. Yeah. But the reason why I ask is, ugly. is there a <laughs> trait? <laughs> is there a trait that you guys go, yeah, this is something that I feel like every guy in the league really appreciates in a coach, or is it a case by case basis? Because while DeBoer may be using him as an example, he's clearly been successful, even though he's maybe has a less personable approach than very much so. Okay, uh, and, and I mean, I, I don't know how many times like Kachuk. I feel like Chase said it as well. Quenville's the best coach I ever played for, you know. He and, rewards you. Yeah. Like that, you know, he re- I like coaches that 
So he didn't reward me, so I, that pisses me off. <laughs> okay, well, he's still, I, I played 79 out of 82 games in my third year. I was second in the league in fights and penalty minutes. I had, like, two goals and four assists. I had a pretty decent little year, and it was the, it was the, my third year in a contract, and I was never healthy scratch the entire season. I was suspended for three games. That was my year. I had the 250-plus penalty minute games. Like I had what, a great year. You? Had, had, yeah, they resigned me. Thank you. And there's your reward. No, but I didn't get to play in the playoffs that year. Well, Shit, dude. That is bullshit. I earned it. I'm fucking talking. Like, I earned it. Are we, oh, are we talking about the 04 season? Yeah. Oh, 203. We lost in the first. Vancouver. Vancouver. Up, up 3 1. You yeah. guys got sick. Yeah. You guys I remember loaded. that. I was on those flights. Loaded that year. Loaded. You Everybody loaded. always no talked you didn't play. But By I guess the way, if our goes. fourth line was guy, wasn't was loaded. Who? It, was, it was like me, Tyson Nash, uh, Ryan Johnson. Um, RJ could block shots like a stone. I, I RJ, I didn't want him not in the lineup. I get it. But I, and he was, I really, he's a wheel. We too. Needed, <laughs> what they needed to do that year. He had a, he had a Todd Bertuzzo ran our show that year and actually hit Al McKinnis, and Al McKinnis was uh, hurt. Yeah, and, and played, and they put Al McKinnis in as the seventh defenseman and only draft. And I'm like, oh, he's, you guys he's need so someone to go out and beat the crap. Yeah, out of, and, and, and again, you can't, you can't just send a tough guy out there in the playoffs. But if they would have given me two or three shifts a period against Todd Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi it might have been the difference maker. You would have got two, Scared. five, and five. You know what? After I talked, I talked to Joel, but after and when he was at the Blackhawks, what's the kid's name that's from here? He no played idea. him the Stanley oh, Cup Bullock. Finals. Yeah, Bowling. Yeah, Bowling was wasn't any better than you. Oh, Bowling <laughs> was. That's bullshit. He had a sick shot. Bowling was. I don't really give a good. shit. I'm he wasn't a good, as good a skater as I was. Oh, not even close or tough. <sighs> No, well, I mean, you would have beat him up, I think. Yeah. But at that point, he, he wasn't he, that much he better of a hockey player to get ice time. Well, dude, Joel okay. learned. Joel learned from me. Yeah, he must <laughs> have learned from Banty as so shit. That's still. the only f bomb I'm dropping on here. So, Cam, you prick. Bring more. I didn't even bring mean, more. But I, 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 I want, this is I mean, great. I didn't mean reward like give Lozy playoff time. <laughs> I do. I said that's I reward one thing. Like, it's my only regret. At the NHL. Blues win the Chalice in 03 If you're in there, and I, I, does I, not get I, I think so. The parade would have had like two million. <laughs> I'm at reward like if Joel, if you guys are playing great, was going to take you down to Scottsdale and give you an extra day there yeah. or stuff like that. Yeah. And, and he would. And, and I heard. And, and well, I'm not, Joel always, always like it was the best. And even if we had a good effort, like Saturday night. Because Joel, especially during football season, Joel loved the Rams and loved going down to the Rams games. So if we always knew it was time at home to play great on yeah, Saturday night because we were having Sunday off for sure. <laughs> Even if we had Tuesday game, we were still getting Sunday off. And it was it was like ding, 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 ding on Saturday way. night, you know. Little things go a long way like that. Yes. And one other last thing I would say about coaching is if I make a little play on the wall, that might not look like it's anything special but damn it, I put my stick in the right spot. I kicked mm -hmm. it up to myself and I made a little play so the guy didn't have to slow Won down. Got his own great. Won the battle. When I get up, can I pat me on the ass, please? Yeah. yeah. Comfort me. Caress Comfort me. me. Caress me. Caress me. What, what the hell went on in New Jersey? Uh, all, all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but you know what I mean, though. Like, just, just yeah. let me. Let, I want to know that you saw that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and so, like, I, I love coaches. They the don't have to do it too much. The sensitive side. Yeah, baby. Number fifty-five. Yeah, baby. Who knew? <laughs> so as this thing starts getting going in January. I mean, is it as simple as they got a goaltender? There's got to be a hell of a lot more to that. But your your, your eyes open up like it kind of well, was. You you know, well, when you have a goaltender and he's making no, that, that 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 third rebound save that kicks out to the wall, and all of a sudden you got momentum to the other, the other way, rather than them putting uh, burying it on you, and everybody's like deflated. <laughs> deflated. I mean, momentum you, is such a big thing in hockey. It's you ridiculous. know what's even crazier about what Bennington did? 
because he got a shutout in his first game against the Philadelphia yeah. Flyers. And everybody's like, the savior is here, <laughs> right? After yeah. one shutout. And he just kept doing the same thing, yeah. you know, giving us no emotion until the, obviously the parade, uh, he showed some emotion <laughs> there. The uh, he, but, showed you know, emotion. He, he showed motion through the way and he just showed in different ways. He's an absolute hilarious kid that really didn't ever have a nervousness to him. And, and, but you know, you come in and you have those kinds of numbers through that winning streak and through the rest of the season, like he did and have it so successful right off the bat that that's huge. That's huge for everybody to see him just be calm, cool, and collected back there. It makes everybody else out there just that much better. But no, it's it's a coaching change. It's Larry Robinson. It's him. It's the players making the commitment. There's a there's it, it's a perfect storm yeah. for that for 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 you to be the worst team in the National Hockey League on January third and end up winning Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals. You're damn right about that. I mean, it's a, it's an ESPN thirty for thirty waiting. Oh, to happen. But it will air on With ESPN. A, yeah, you're exactly right. It'll be an it'll NBC be a, Sports thirty for thirty. It'll be exactly ESPN seven. But but the thing I remember, you know, I'm sure you guys have all said it amongst yourselves. I know guys have said it when I when I would be around on doing television or just bullshitting with guys on the podcast or the radio show. Well, yeah, he's a goalie, you know, kind of fucking weird. And you'd go, what does that mean? And I had Pang in here one time and he goes, well, the reason why I think people say that is at some point at like five, six or seven years old, you have to go. Sure, I'll stand in there and have people fire pucks at me. You got to be a little fucked up in order to to do it. But. You know, going back to your team, I don't know if you were around. Were you around for the Turek era? I was. I you was, had a little uh, taste I of that? The, the President's Cup team. Okay. I was, my first year was the conference loss to, to Colorado. Colorado. All right, 01. So Turek, and he had a great series against Dallas when you guys uh, swept Dallas. We swept Dallas, yeah. and then he was off for nine days. And, and just and I went think, to, I think he, I think he supported Anheuser-Busch a little bit too much <laughs> during that time. <laughs> and, 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 and nothing that. wrong on that. Just but get then on the Johnson bike. got to start for game five. Yep. I recall seeing Quenville in the 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 bowels of the Pepsi Center and talking about the, the goalie change for that one. But the, that uh, goalies would be a different kind of personality. But Bennington takes it to another level. And I can't tell if it's like performance art, like he's doing it. it and like, cause like you'll see him like make like one of those comments and like Petro and Maroon will just start laughing because they're like, this guy's fucking crazy. He's or he's is he playing a game? Yeah, he's playing a game. <laughs> he's playing 100%. We all did in a way. He was playing a game. And, and he's doing it great. And, and the reason why it's working is because he was – Phenomenal. Yeah. If, if he was, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Exactly. and he's like, like, be like this guy's nah, fucking nothing in an asshole. And don't get me wrong. At the beginning, when he started doing that, the organization was like, "Okay, <laughs> this could turn really weird, and things can go sour." But the reason why goalies are put in that situation, yeah, they're weird, but we're all weird. Okay, <laughs> there's so many forwards, and we're tough. I mean, come on, but they're just in their own, their own, their own. They're, they're their own person on the team, so they do different warm ups. They, they're, so they're kind of separated. So they're kind of like off on a little yeah. island to themselves because they're their goalie. Yeah. yeah, everybody else is doing the same shit on the ice and all yeah. this stuff, and a goalie's got to do. So they're already typecasting in a different way. And then you'll, you know, of course, you got to be weird to do it anyway. Uh, but I think it's more like they're just kind of separated. Not separated, but they, they kind of are from everybody else. Everybody else can talk about stuff. You see the goalie's got his head down locker room. My favorite, you know what I mean? Yeah. My favorite one for sure was when the reporter referred to Jim Montgomery, and he said, like, who's Jim Montgomery? <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, the coach. coach of the Dallas Stars. Do you think oh, he my knew? Bad. Do you think he knew? For sure he did. <laughs> For sure he yeah, did. I don't know. Oh, come on, no. man. You'd have to be living under a rock if and not know that. Jim Mont- wait, wait, wait. If you just said Jim Montgomery to me, I'm like, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like... Are you just why is he asking about the other coach? Like why are you asking me about Jim Montgomery? So that would have confused me for a second. 
And then he just was trying to be oh, witty. I, after I, that. I, but I think that he does know who he is. He knows and who I, he think, is. I think that that's his message is, why are you asking me about that? Yeah, you know, that? It's, a, it's the same thing when the, 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 the shot, the bad goal in game six. Yeah, yeah game six, did, did like, you see it bounce? Did you, did you watch it? Yeah, did you see it bounce? Yeah. yeah shut up. You know, like, <laughs> like, shut up. <laughs> like, you so saw good. it. Like, what do you want me to do? The puck so bounced, good. right? You know, he just the way that he would respond to, to almost kind of embarrass the other guy is like, but you know what, though? But you know what, though? Idiot's great. You know what? He sometimes comes off like that. But did you see him in that damn parade? Hugging, crowd surfing, kissing babies. Riding a scooter. R- riding a sc- like, Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. I don't, do you even know how to ride one of those damn things? They're dangerous. Uh, but look, he, his interaction with all the fans, like it's just like he's a cool cat. Uh-huh. So let him play the game. It's great for hockey. It's great entertainment. It's great for us. Shit. Go no, keep doing God, Keep yeah, giving me some bad. one-liners, baby. I'll play Absolutely. them all day. Uh, you too, Holy. Uh, but but I, but just to see him, his other side, hugging, kissing. I mean, just come at me. I don't give a damn. I, I, I'm i with the people. I'm for the people. And that was awesome. Not just standing on there shit, waving hello. You know, no, 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 no. I'm interacting with all you guys. You guys are there supporting me. So pretty cool by him. He's, as, he's the man. As this thing starts heading down the stretch and the Blues are clearly going to make the playoffs, now it's just a matter of the seed and they wind up being the three, but they could have wound up being the, the top seed in the Central. You guys have either been a part of or seen Blues teams here over the last X amount of years that have come in with some momentum in the Western Conference final team in 16, the Western Conference final team read that you were a part of in 2001. Did this one seem different to you, or you're like, oh, this? Yeah. It did oh, automatically. Oh, Reed, were you in the same? Without question. Really? On all, on all oh those, my god. Both, like even the team. Like obviously, we were confident going into uh, into San Jose uh, that year because you're talking about 16. And no, I'm talking about uh, 01. My oh, okay, okay, okay. Because we they, yeah, they lost, lost to him they the, lost him the president's trophy <laughs> in seven games. Now why, 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 why are you Where's having some back? kind of orgasm? Over like, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't oh. great. No, what but, are we talking about? The 2000 President's Trophy debacle? Yeah. Yeah. Is Roman Turek and yeah, Owen Nolan. That's what I was referring yeah, to. Yeah. 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 That, that yeah, was a revenge mission. over here. Yeah. That's so, what that sound was. Sack like, Stamper style. But I was saying that it was, you know, we were confident that we believed we could make the NHL. But as I look back on it, then I look back on, you know, the Blues run in 16 and even any of the teams in between that. At no time did I ever feel like these guys have something here. Right. They believe in themselves so much. Well, I asked Kachuk about that, and he said back in that time in 01, he goes, it was like three or four teams could win the cup, and we just kind of knew it. You know, it was the Avalanche, the Red Wings, the Devils, and maybe yeah, the Stars. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's it. Yeah. And so we were up against one of those teams, and Forsberg had, what, appendicitus or something? Uh, or a spleen move? Yeah. yeah, in the Vancouver series. Right. And, and so they were down him, and then Patrick Waugh just, just put them Sackett on their back. And Joe Sackick was so good. And they had Rob Blake. They still, like, still after Forsberg, their defense was Ray Bork, Rob Blake, and uh, Foot. Adam Foote. Like, just <laughs> said, Adam Jedmarsh on the team. Tangay, they, yeah. they were sick. <laughs> So disgusting, and but you know, and the and and you know, we just I think we had a good team too. We just needed a goaltender at that point in time. Right. Again, go back to the whole goaltending thing, right? If Romanko plays the way he should and could, might have been a different series. I never heard of like Romanko. Maybe it would have helped you guys. Turk was out of his mind. Uh, I, I, we were texting about this, so we're on that. We, we, we were texting each other. And we're like, this is different. Like we even we said that. So like a guys. blues alumni group text. Yeah, like we God, got I'd all like our to see hockey that. guys. It's a hockey guys through all. <laughs> I'd love to it's see that. It's all uh, hockey guys through all St. Louis and stuff that we all kind of 
skate with and guys all play at, at different levels throughout it, but we all are It's our actually kind of cool. we got guys that played high school hockey all the way to guys that played NHL. There's some guys that were real high-level hockey players in the St. Louis area that played college and stuff. It's a fun yeah, line. It, we get together, have a good time. It's, but it's the, a good deal. The theme was, like, this is, this feels different. Really? We're, we're all you guys talking. were saying that in March? Yeah. Oh, yes. Really? Big time. Really? And we can go back on the archive. I was like, I, I got... I, I'm, well, I've got a couple drafts. Like I picked Boston St. Louis finals blues. And really? Six. I picked that before the, the playoffs even started. Wow. Yeah, I just felt it, man. I'm like, this is that's our saying year. something. Consider well, more about the Eastern Conference that yeah. you saw that because people are like, well, I mean, you got you know whether it be the Caps, whether it be obviously what Tampa had done. Did you guys see what? Because people talk about well, Tampa was this and Calgary was this, but they, they both soft, were kind man. of exactly. Tampa was soft. Soft. Yeah. And if Tampa didn't have power plays, they weren't going to win. That's all they were, is a power play Yeah, well, I mean, Boston was that way, too. But I think Boston was just veteran-loaded, and they were just on a roll. Boston and was Cassidy, good. Or, uh, yeah, Bruce, Bruce uh, Butch Cassidy was a, uh, a great coach, although he said some stupid things in, in, the, in the finals there, bitching about here, things here and there. Kind right. of but he's a, great, he's, he's a great coach. And they got Char. I mean— they got Char, they got Marchant, they got guys that just know how to battle and get on your fucking They've, they've got yeah. multiple guys in that team that had already won the Stanley Cup, what, twice in the last? No, once. They, 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 won, they, they, they lost to the Chicago Cup. in 13. Chicago. Remember right? they blew yeah. the lead there? That's when yeah. Bullock I'll won tell it. you what, at the beginning of this Stanley Cup finals, I was, you know, talking to different people and on the air, and I said, somebody asked me the question, you know, how do you, what do you do with Marchand? And I said, the best thing the Blues can do with Marchand, especially after how he got under the hurricane skin so bad, is just completely ignore him. Don't stand there. Don't give him the opportunity to lick your face. As soon as he comes near you, go away because he plays the game at such a high level. And, but he also has this antagonistic level that he plays at such a high game that I wasn't sure because I'd never saw him play at a high level without having that. Mm-hmm. That almost spurs him yeah. on, right? Like yeah. he almost needs, he needs that, that yeah. in order to in order to feed himself. And the Blues took that away from him. And I think that was one of the big reasons why it's he didn't show up in this yeah. series. It, is uh, they just said, "Listen, you're a, you, we have the ability to make you a non in this series by just ignoring you and not allowing you to get to us. And eventually, you're going to get to yourself, and you're going to be in your own head." Because you're not going to be playing at the level you want to, because we didn't give you this. Yeah, and you they played that to a T. And he was, he was, a, he, like you look at that, uh, the uh, the second goal in the in the, in Game Seven. What in the hell was he doing? What was he doing? He, he just ass. got off the ice. Like again, he was he like Blues play couldn't have done that any better than they did. And so there's uh, that that's a huge thing when you talk about then, a guy that has been a game changer in the Stanley Cup Finals before. Another thing that screwed Boston over a little bit was we were playing and we were playing San Jose. We had to be on our game. Mm-hmm. Boy, you want to give them a PP, go stay out of the fucking box. Right. Let's hit, do it the right way, get them off. We just, we played San Jose hardcore team that could have beat us if, if we weren't on our game like no other. They had to go against Carolina. I love Carolina. Fine, whatever, whatever. They had to go against Carolina. They, they went through some weak, weak. I mean, my God, they didn't have that the series where it's like these guys are really, really pushing us, and it and and they just I don't. Well, they were down three two to the Leafs. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a good. They, they played well there. But then they, they had they were CBJ, and then they had Carolina, Carolina. and they kind of breezed kind in. Of they went on like a seven game winning streak, I think, breezed, including game yeah, one yeah. against the Blues. Breezed in through yeah. Carolina. Carolina didn't, didn't touch them. They were banged up. They they played hard, but they didn't. They just didn't have it. Justin Williams went bad. Shit. Justin. Oh. oh my God! Hey, why? He's a who do you think got on his skin? Again, like yeah. I said, Marchand. Was, totally. Remember the perfect C? example? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Where's the C? But so you know, the other thing, that, the other thing, they weren't on their game. The other thing about the Blues um, that I, one of the reasons why I felt so good about them before the playoffs started 
was I watch these games. A bit, I go to all of them. Uh, I watch them on the road. When the Blues lost, they beat themselves. Hmm. The Blues won. They won. They mm. beat the other team. And I seen that night in, night out. When they lost a game, it was because they didn't do something. They didn't have to go into a game worrying too much about what the other team had to do. As long as they played their game and they were cognizant of what the other team had and made sure that they played a smart game and make sure that they were doing their thing, they, they were good. And, and so that also made me really confident about the Blues is their ability um, to, to dictate what happens in a game, whether they win or lose. They're dictating it. There are defining moments over the course of the two-month run, um, and one of them that I would cite. Now, they go up 2-0 on Winnipeg, then they lose the two at home, and now it's game five, and you're going into the third period, and you're down 2 nothing in that building. Oh, my God, that game. Huge game, man. And oh. there is a shot of, and I don't recall who it was. You guys probably do. The puck's going past Bennington, and it's a Jets forward who... Wheeler was a wheeler. Was a wheeler who then who yeah. as it's going, and it would have been three nothing. Yeah, look, that happens to us, Lozy. When we're when we don't skate for three weeks, and we go out there, and you try to do something, and you're about to get that shot off, and you hit, and you shoot it, and you kind of go under it, and then you like realize you're under it, and then you kind of go back with your stick and you hit the puck back. That's exactly what he did. It was the weirdest thing in the world. I know it sounds goofy, but that happens to you sometimes when you try to shoot the puck. The puck will bounce on you, you and you, you your reaction is to get back. Over on the other side of the puck, so you knock it in. And it just happened so damn fast. And it was the weirdest thing. And he cleared the puck. He cleared the puck away. And he's like, what the fuck did I just do? It's 3 oh nothing. That, two more inches. It's 3 nothing. Yeah. And Winnipeg's up 3-2. That's what I was about to say. And that's against the Jets. This wasn't like a CBJ or Carolina situation. Instead, the Blues tie it. It seems like it's inevitably going to overtime. And then Schwartz, because of... A bad line or a skate blade yes. from Steiner. From so Steiner was supposed to go on the ice, and if you remember that play, they hard forecheck by somebody or something, and they kicked so out. Less than forty seconds left in regulation. Bozak changed. Well, I don't know great, if it's Steiner. Great changed effort. because of Steiner's malfunction in his skates. Bozy gets out, who's a right-handed shot. So the only way he can get that shot off that quick is picking up on the wall on the right-hand side with a right-handed shot, and he just turns and fires it on net, and Schwartzy. Just bunch it, bunch it out of air, and goes right in. You're like, oh, oh my god, we're up three two. What? We stole that game in the and therefore the series because they reached up and just ripped the heart out of Winnipeg. And the next night or game six, I should say, two nights later, later, that's how they were. They were just. I mean, I think there was like a period where it was like at one point, I think they had two shots an entire period. I mean, it was you look look at this playoff run. Every single team that the Blues played against at one point in time in a third period, second period, or entire game, dominated from the point. Like, I remember the the game seven of the, of the uh, conference final, the shots were 37 to three in the second and the third period. Like, unbelievable. Bishop stood on his head, right? And you oh, you're talking look- about game seven of, this, of the second round yeah, against Dallas. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah, is where bad. I was going next with defining moments. And yes. The, so there was a moment where they just dominated that other team to the point where it was just like, yeah, they didn't yeah, know what the hell up hit them. Going, who, who's beating my ass? So right that's now. what I do wonder. People say, "Well, momentum is only you know it's isolated," but you do. I felt like it had to have carried over from Winnipeg to Game Six in St. Louis because the Blues dominated a great team, and then they're down three two after a really disappointing Game Four, uh, Game Five performance against Dallas on Friday night. They go down to Dallas, they win that game, and then they absolutely dominate them. The only reason Dallas is on the board, puck goes off a skate on Perron's attempt to get it out of there. I know. And it's 1-1, and it goes into overtime. And as Blues fans, I don't oh, know what you guys God. are feeling, you're going, oh, my God, this is the way it's oh, going to go down yet again. God. They've absolutely outplayed the 
fuck out of these guys, mm. and they're going to lose in overtime. If there was one moment in this entire Stanley Cup playoffs where I kind of felt a little bit nervous about where the Blues were at, and it only happened once, it was that Game 7 where they dominated them and outshot them 32 to 37 to 2 or 3 or whatever it was, and they were going into overtime. And all I could think about was, this is the story. You kick <laughs> yep. their ass all game. Yep. You let them stay in the yep. game. Up, and all of a sudden, gonna someone's yep. going to yep. shove it up your ass. Yep. And on, honestly, like... And it nearly well, happened with what Jamie That's the ben, game right? where we were standing in uh, Rainer's suite, and Kate started videotaping, and I got on the Enterprise commercial. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Cam's ju- Cam literally like a... Embarrassing. A, a tiger cat, you know, because it's got that concrete where <laughs> I look like an he idiot. He jumps up, and then he's standing up there, and he's high-fiving. I'm like, Cam, don't break your neck. Please. All right, now, pull my groin. Uh, but, yeah, that was... I remember Jay and Ben dumping the puck in, uh, and it takes, it takes a weird bounce. I mean, that, or the wraparound. Yep, the wraparound. I mean, my goodness. And you're like, okay, the Bishop's going to steal this yep. damn game. Yep. And he didn't. The moment, I mean, to me, it's like people talk about when it comes to the Cardinals in that 2011 World Championship team. Like, well, Game 7 was a little anticlimactic to Game 6. And for me, the actual best win was the, a second-round win and the emotion of Pat Maroon sending the Blues to the Western Conference Finals in a game where you're going, oh, my God, this is this is it. I mean, this, is t- this organization is hanging in the balance on what happens yeah. here in the overtime, and they get it in a double overtime victory where they were dodging bullets like you were talking about in the first overtime where it was the weird puck getting sent in or was it Ben on the wraparound? There's some wraparound. Yeah, there were a couple of them actually. No, Bennington on the wraparound. They had, yeah, Jamie and Ben on the, uh, on the, on the, uh, on the wraparound and his, he just, he, he couldn't tuck it tight enough and, yeah. and Bennington's, I mean, right there. It's just, you can't, you can't draw that kind of stuff. Robert Thomas had the best game of his life in that game. Robert Thomas oh. was incredible that series. Yeah, yeah that, that, whole, that series. whole line was. Bozak, yeah. Thomas, and, and Patty. Yeah. In the first two rounds, those guys were great. And they fell Thomas, off a little bit. Well, Thomas hurt yeah. his hand and, you know, the, his wrist or whatever it was. I don't wrist. know if the story's out now. I wrist. haven't heard. But, um, you know, I, that line was I, what I love about this whole thing. And it's a Stanley Cup run. This is what happens. But there's a, there's a every single guy in that team had a moment yeah, where, you're right. where he uh, – Contributed to it in a way time, that, that helped them. Like Bertuzzo. they all did. Yeah, going like San Jose. I mean, forget about it. There's guys that are in and out of the lineup that are helping out too. You look at Sammy Blay in Game oh. Six in Boston or in uh, in Dallas yeah, when yep. he when he got to break come away, in and slap shot. Like break, who, who pulls up at the top of the circles <laughs> on a breakaway? Sammy and lights Blay, it up, lights it up over the goaltender's shoulder. Over like, Pendus. what kind of confidence do you have? Uh, he was, like, he was dancing on that wheelhouse. Uh, he looked. It was also he a moment. around the wheelhouse. Oh God, he was having a time. Was like he was a big factor, a huge. Factor. Sammy Blay was a big factor in this whole. thing. I mean so. that that maroon goal where, where you guys had your video cam that I guess you maybe would like. I to woke not... up that next day and I'm like, oh Jesus Murphy, let me see that damn thing. <laughs> How many hits oh, did that God. thing end up getting? Like fifty thousand or something uh, crazy? More than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the last time I saw. It. I mean that was that, that was euphoria. Yes. And then it's like it's the Sharks again, you know, I and know. and you have that game three. And that one was different in the sense that they had outplayed the hell out of them after coming back out of the deficit, outplayed the hell out of them. But they score that game-tying goal after all the icings with about a minute left, and then you just have the bad feeling that something is going to happen, like we're talking about Game 7 against Dallas. And then sure enough, it does, but it happens on a play that that should have been whistled dead. The goal should have never counted. The hand pass. And I swear to you, I'm looking at Carlson, Thornton, and who is the other one? Burns. They're in the press conference. And they're kind of laughing about it. You know, like Carlson oh, yeah. says, oh, this is, you know, it's handball, not, handball, not yeah. hockey. 
And I'm just thinking to myself, somehow the boys are going to become aware of this, and they're just going to be like, you know what? Fuck these guys. We've outplayed them two of the three games. Really, the only reason they won game one is because they had a bunch of giveaways anyway. Yeah. We're just going to run these guys. And I honestly thought they're not going to lose another game the rest of the series. I really did. And then, sure enough, I knew they'd come out in game four and respond. You know, with insurance, you never really know until you need it how important it is. It's one of those It's one of those awkward things in life because it's so important, but it's an after-the-fact appreciation of its importance. And so before you need it, you're going, oh, what is this expense? Oh, yeah, it's this amount of money to this insurance company. God, this sucks. But then as time goes on and then you wind up needing it, then you appreciate it. Well, I'll tell you what you appreciate even more is if you're working with somebody who is at the top of their game in the insurance agency, James Carlton in the insurance business is as good as it gets. He's just as good as it gets. James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agency. It's in Webster Groves. And I was so impressed with him that I personally switched um, and couldn't be happier that I did. His number is 314-961-4800. You can go online at carltoninsurance.net. It just so happens we've needed him. But even before we, quote, needed him, and I shouldn't say, quote, needed him, uh, we did need him because we had a couple of things that we were not covered for. And he reminded us about one thing that we hadn't made a payment for, just slipped our minds, they're on it. And then also other ways to save money that were really easy just by installing an app for uh, driving. And uh, and when when we weren't covered for disabilities, like, hey, just so you know, and then I'm like, oh, I'll get this. And he goes, no, that's probably way too much. I wouldn't do that. What about this? So he's not just looking at gouge. He's just a good guy who's at the top of his game. He's a young guy. He's going to be around for a long time. And he runs a tight ship. That's so important, especially when it comes to insurance. Imagine, you know, on a Saturday night, we come home and our basement's flooded. It's not like we were the only basement flooded. The, the weather was horrible. The weather continues to be super high with precipitation. So it's not like we're the only people dealing with it. And James is on it and he's leading the charge. And as opposed to like having to call a 1-800 number, you call 314-961-4800 and it's taken care of. That's huge. That's so huge. His name's James Carlton, 314-961-4800. Go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. What did you guys think, though, in that moment? I'd, I've never put on a pair of skate. I don't know what the hell's going on, but that's what I thought. I'm like, they're going to be like, okay, fuck these. They're laughing about how they won this game. Fuck them. The, the re, the, you know how I knew they were going to be okay? Is when Craig Berube, Perron, and I believe it was Colm Preco came out in the press conference after that game and didn't bitch one time. Berube's like, no, nah, nah, we'll, we'll get him next time. Uh, David Prime, although you could tell he's fuming, mm-hmm. fuming. Pareko's fuming. It's like, no, we're okay. <laughs> what do you? What do, what do I think of that? Eh, it is what it is. We're going in, and that's yep. what I'm like. Yeah, they're going. Yeah. They're and, on. And that and that right there is 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 probably, you know, if Larry Robinson doesn't have a hand in that, I'd be surprised. Just yeah. the way that his mentorship meant to this team. But that's Craig Ruby saying, walks in and goes, boys. It is the refs what it don't is. beat you. You uh, beat yourself. Uh, they shouldn't have been in that is. position in the first place. Mm-hmm. So we were in it, and we got screwed. So guess mm-hmm. what? Shut the hell up. Go out there. Do what you got to say out there, and get your asses ready for tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, after the Blues beat the shit out of the Sharks that Sunday afternoon game at the Shark Tank game, Ooh, game five, <laughs> DeBoer comes out, and he was he's whining about a lack of calls. I know. And I thought, wow, Dude, you look how <laughs> Ruby handled three and how DeBoer handled five, and I'm like, that sends a message, I think. I know, and I was very surprised well, by he, that. They had already had 
some bullshit calls already with the uh, with the with the, with with the, the Vegas with uh, the Vegas yeah. where they got the four power play goals <laughs> in the third period. Like you've already had so many right. damn calls. Like what do you think? You're the Colorado offsides in oh Game Seven. Gosh. Yeah, no one feels sorry for you, man. Right. Like, nobody, nobody does. And like, it sent a message. Anything. It did. Yeah. It was, and the Blues just ran those guys in Game Six. It wasn't even a sweat. It was like after that, after that hand pass goal, and just the way that happened at the press conference the next day. Like the Blues just said, nah. and they literally beat them into submission. Like, <laughs> there was three of their major, their best players that weren't even in the right. lineup for the two didn't game even six. travel. I know they all left in the third period, and I was doing Channel Five that night with Bobby uh, Plager. And we're all like, we heard four guys aren't coming out for the third period. I'm like, whoa! I, I didn't, I didn't know they all got hurt. So we're all like. Is he saving them? And we're like, what? And we were even talking about that. And we're like, no, no, they're all they're all injured. The Sammy Blair killed somebody. Barbie killed somebody. Somebody else killed. And they're all just they they couldn't they couldn't finish a game. Yeah. That is like you walk in that locker room and you see your four big boys out there, like four of your big dogs, and they can't even finish a third period. And you walk in that room, you're like, oh yeah, uh, this ain't going right. This is a tough one. <laughs> tough one to rebound from. They ship the Sharks, and now it sets up the Bruins and. So many things take place over the first five games, but the one that stood out, and I felt like we're going to bitch about the hand pass. We've got to talk about the no call on Bozak. Cam, you said, Timmy, who cares? It's part of the game. We talked about it the morning after that game, and I just felt like it was, it's my obligation to the audience to go, okay, if we're going to bitch about the Blues getting banged on the hand pass, I feel like it's the, the Bruins got banged on that call, and I worried that they would respond in Game 6 like the Blues responded in Game 4 against the Sharks after the hand pass. What were your guys' thoughts on the Bozak no-call and then the Perron goal that comes seconds after? It was 100% a penalty. I mean, they, 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 You felt that way as well, Reed? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Like, oh, Chaser was like, he, no, it's he, 100% a penalty. He came in and clipped both his legs <laughs> over underneath him. I don't care if you're going for the fuck no, or not. <laughs> he dove. Like, he dove. Oh, yeah. He, he, he dove back. Yeah. yeah. But they gave up on the play, too. They gave up on Everybody that play. Well, he stayed down to try to get the penalty. Yeah, and then and, and, and Ryan O'Reilly got mauled. Perry made an awesome play to kind of keep the puck alive. And he could have passed and kept it kind of going. But he held on. He's like, no, I could take a step here. And he threw it on that. And he threw it on that again. Tuca, get that. You just want to make a save there. Make it. So I say who cares me because I didn't care about the hand pass. I'm like, yeah, that's not good. But fuck, you, you, you messed up. The seconds before the, like, come on. Yeah. So that's how I looked at it. So that's why I say that. And I said, who cares? Because you said, I don't want to win like this. I don't want it to win like this. Well, I didn't want it because I think about like the 85 Royals and like why Kansas City fans I think are so pissy is because they won on a tainted call. And so one thing about Game 7 that's so great is the Blues just beat them into submission. So it's like officiating. Okay, you had a Game 7 in your own Exactly, right. So that's why I was talking about it. Because if they do win this thing, I don't want it to be like, well, they won. But, you know, so that's why. I hear you. So then that carries. Did it carry over, do you think? Do you think that carried over? Did you think that had an effect in Game 6? I don't think anything carried over. In fact, the, the one thing that I really noticed about these playoffs more than I have any others is that the momentum swings that were internally from game to game didn't carry over front or in inside period to period and, and Boy, the momentum that didn't turn over from game to game. Like you'd see a beating one night from another team and then the other team would come out and start kicking their ass yeah. at first. You're like Sometimes it does. Didn't they yeah. feel really good going into this game? But it was just it. like it was it was the chess matches that, that came in and again that is all due to the parity in this league now, you know, with the salary cap and the salary basement and the competitiveness that all these teams have to have now. And I just don't feel like with the 
the home ice advantage is such a big deal anymore. All the rinks have great set dressing rooms. You know, uh, back in the day when the barn and all the old rinks, they had crappy visitor dressing rooms and they could turn the hot water off. Uh, they turn, <laughs> oh, the, turn the heat oh, up in there. Detroit the, will get you, Joe Lewis. Oh, yeah, I, it was I've told you, it's a prison shower. <laughs> they, 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 like, I, I just direct spray at you. So you like, you have like an inch in diameter. Of what, what's, uh, like, it's just the worst of the worst. The bench sucks there. The rink sucked. Now it's beautiful. Of course. Now the new building. Now right. it's beautiful. Um, but it was, I'm going, I'm game six. I'm going, I got to be in the building. You know, it's expensive as oh, hell, yeah. but I got to be in the building. I There's a chance I that the blues are going to lift the cup. And and I'm telling you, man, I don't know how you guys felt, but in that second intermission, I'm sitting there and it was like, the lights were kind of in a different spot. And it was just like a murmur, like before a concert would start, like a half hour before a concert start. And people just had that on ease. Like, Oh my God, we thought tonight was going to be the biggest party in St. Louis nope. history. And, and then that happened, and B, oh, my God, they got to now win this thing up in, in Boston, Boston for Game 7. Oh, my God. I was gutted leaving that building that night. I was gutted. So, I was so pissed. I, I, not pissed, but I, I was disappointed. Deflated. Yeah. I disappointed. I, everybody wanted that moment. Everybody. Uh, and, and I appreciate all the St. Louis Blues fans for oh being classy God. and not going out and doing a bunch of stupid stuff in the city. Um, just like I appreciate them in the parade and mm-hmm. all the other st- times throughout the, the season where they've gone out and partied clean. And uh, But at the end of the day, it was uh, it was a moment where we were like, ugh. I know. And, and we knew. Uh, we, this we're isn't how I want this story to play out. Not only because I called six games. I know. You screwed me. They, that was... Uh, that got everybody on edge fast, and and then you started thinking. So no matter how confident you were, leading all the way up to this, you're like, this is a different team. It feels different. Feels different. It didn't feel different after that. It felt like bad things are going to happen again, and we're going to be somewhat. What you want to call it? Curse or right, not? I don't. Right, I don't, I don't right. know what you want to call it. But it's going to happen again. We're going to go up there and we're going to lose Game Seven, and we're going to have to start all over again. Uh, that's the part that got I, me. I was legitimately worried and i'm not gonna lie to you like i have confidence in these guys also I now you guaranteed just, a win and i guaranteed a win <laughs> now, it looks like he's coming clean on that and might have I been bravado a win on multiple platforms <laughs> yeah you were on our show you're on camel x i was worried i'm not gonna lie to you i was i was all day i was i, I, I for three days straight and you're like i was i went up there and we and it just i had anxiety i can't anxiety. say that i was worried because i, I believed was. it from day one like i'm like these guys they're going to they're gonna get talked to. They're going to get their heads on straight. They've done it before. They've had bad beats before, and they always come back. And the one guy that even comes back even more is Bitter. Jordan Bington. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, yep, this, yep, is, yep. this pisses me off because I love Ryan O'Reilly, and I actually talked to him at the, our Friday night deal for 20 minutes. It's really the first time I'd ever got to talk to him. Sweetheart they don't make guys any better than this Sweetheart. guy. But how in the hell, after some of those saves that Bennington made, not only in the first 10 minutes of that first period, mm-hmm. but the rest of that game does that guy not win the Because Tugarowski played him. Tugarask as Did a he? whole in that series Did outplayed he? him. Really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Outplayed oh, kinda... him for two games. He still had two bad games. So, okay, fine. But the Blues don't win the Stanley Cup if Jordan Bennington's not in their net. without Ryan Period. either. Bullshit. <laughs> they could have they won without yeah. Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly Ryan was O'Reilly was actually had broken ribs for two series and was kind of a non-factor in the face-off dot. Nothing against them. No, but I'm I telling know. you right now, the Blues don't win the don't win the Stanley Cup if Jordan Bennington's well, not in yeah, it. I, Period. And they don't win the Stanley Cup if he doesn't stand on his head for the first 10 minutes of that fucking numbers. He got fucked. He, sorry, I did it twice. No, Shit. it's three now. He got, you're right, you're fine. <laughs> he got fucked Four. by the fact that the Blues blew that out. If he had a moment where that was 2-1 and made three rock-solid saves like he did in the Winnipeg series, different story. He wins a con You're right. You're, I, I agree with you on that. Ryan O'Reilly also had, what, 
Seven every goal, a goal, <laughs> we a goal in every game in the finals too. Showing Greter had in '88 or whatever. He was like, there for the Cup Finals. I, I agree. I, I'm not I, saying I, he wasn't. I know. I'm. I'm just letting you know. Like it wasn't. It, it was a hard decision, but I, I, I could look at it both ways. And it, and Tukaras could have won that that thing too if you would have. Yeah, if, Boston if you, wins that game. I think. Yeah, exactly. oh, yeah. So it's like. So I, there I was know. a thought process going in. Actually, this is interesting. We had Doc Emmerich on the morning of of Game Seven. He was getting it regardless. Right? That I, I asked him that. I said, "If Rask win, even if the Blues win, is Rask cons mind?" He goes, "No, no." He goes, "I'd keep an eye on Ryan O'Reilly." And I felt like, "Oh, well, that, that, that the narrative has already been set up. He knows mm-hmm. something. He's and not they just, probably have." And I was surprised a, that he said that and didn't mention Bennington as well. Yeah. So they have more of a. They probably have more of a, a presence of what happens in that actual finals more than what happens, even though it's a tournament trophy. Yeah. Um, but I, I still, for me, that, that I was I was shocked. And and worst case scenario, and I don't even know if they've ever done it before, but that's a great opportunity, especially with how team united these guys were, where you could have given co-trophies. Co-trophies yeah. on the cons. Regarding those first, I don't know what it was. Well, the first three minutes, the Blues looked good. And then all hell broke loose for like the next 14 <laughs> minutes. I'm sure the ice contributed to it because there were just uncharacteristic giveaways. I don't know how much it was nerves. And then what Bennington did... Mm. And that then, save. oh my God! See I mean, his it was legs, nonstop. Yes, oh. yeah. I mean, now we've seen those. Are those your legs? Is that a I pick my teeth for them. Yeah. Look, it, well, he he just he's, he's able to. He can just he's he's sneaky, man. He's he's Gumby. Um, but yeah, we're we're all watching that first period up in the press box, which Boston's like a shithole. Sorry. Sorry, not the city. It is. For a new race, it's, it's a, a shit. dump. And they, the worst place they could have ever built that. The, 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 the Jumbotron sucks. The, the media. Like where the building actually is oh, in Boston. It's yeah, like, random. I, I, it's, it's okay. At least you can walk. And you got to like, go up the sneaky ramp mm-hmm. and a bus. You're like, oh, my God, are we going to fall off It's confusing. <laughs> I got locked out of the fucking place. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, but the <laughs> The, uh, so upstairs, we're, we're like three deep looking over everything, and I'm right next to all the players. We're all standing in front of all the media. So the players had nowhere to sit. It was just a cluster fucking happening. And so and he, like, they were getting peppered so bad. And I'm looking like Bill, I'm right, Bill Armstrong and all the scouts and everything and all the players. And it's just like it, it just every, the emotions amplified because you're, you're around the guys that are going to be hoisting this thing or not hoisting it and, and dealing with it afterwards. It was the weirdest setup in the world. But they got freaking peppered. In that first period, and then, they, and then they go down and score a dirty goal. Exactly. <laughs> We're all like, "Oh shit!" Uh, I mean, like, it was oh, unbelievable. I don't. Th- I think they had only had one shot oh. up until yes, the O'Reilly goal. This is a tip. They 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 clean themselves up. They go down there. They go kick up to the point, kick it wide, throw it in front. Where I was like, "Go on, go on, tip that bad boy right through your legs." And now Tuka's like. Son of a bitch. What does that do to the Boston bench? It, oh, just, oh. it just absolutely deflated. What was even worse was the goal. The second the second goal with Marchand's right terrible decision. Yep. Seven seconds. I'm telling you right now, you always talk about never letting a goal in in the last minute, let alone the last 10 seconds, especially with how exactly. Boston played that period and had that one, and then that one was seven seconds. They went into the dressing room in the second period going, what the? How did this? How did this happen? How are we here right now? And uh, they just could never get back on top. Binner, uh, he was there. He was a force, and he's my constant. They didn't even threaten. I get it. They didn't even threaten the rest of. I realized they got a goal, but they didn't even like it. Was was, the the analogy I've used like a Floyd Mayweather fight in the second and third period? It was just like 
it was just like a point system. It's just like, okay, you're going to do this. We're going to just counter it. Man. Try again. We're just going to counter it. And there was just nothing they bore could you. do. Bore you. Yes. Bore you. Come at us. Oh, we're going to go tip it down. We're just going to keep it simple. We're going to do this. We'll, we'll hem it in a little bit and do this. But we're not going to get too crazy. No one's going to try to one-on-one toe drag anybody right. like I did this morning a couple I, times. No one's going to do that. No one's going to. We're just going to keep everybody, it simple. We're going to tighten up even everything. Even Tarasenko was getting the puck deep so that they had yep. to come 200 feet yep. to score a goal. If they had Miserable. nothing, if they had nothing. They were still in the attack. They were still aggressive. But if they had nothing inside the blue, their part, their part of the red line and the Boston's blue line, they got that puck deep. They did a good job keeping it away from Tuca because he can play the puck well. But they made the Boston Bruins come 200 feet Perfect every game. single time, and that's so hard to do. So hard to do uh-huh. when you're trying to generate some uh, uh, some momentum and some some energy for your team, and you're a great transition team, and you're great on the attack. To have to go all the way back in yep. your zone, pick it up, yep. break Lose, it out. You try played to a perfect road game when you're up by two. Perfect. Yep. Yep. They were awesome, and that's Boring, why that awesome. second goal. Because there's, I mean, the highlight reel of the Tarasenko to Shen is is sick. Is sick. But the Petrangelo goal with seven Back seconds breaker. left. See exactly, later. exactly. I mean, See that was later. it. You're exactly right. Yeah, and you might as well just dude. stop the game and yep. cash their chips in. When the moment happens and the boys are jumping all over each other and it's now official, the St. Louis Blues have won a Stanley Cup. Your experience, what what were you doing? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? What was going on? Each one of you, I can't wait to hear that. Well, I, I now, was, you were on the clock. I, I was on the clock. I was <laughs> up there with, with uh, Renee Knott and Frank and everybody. Well, I was up there doing the, 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 so I'm waiting, and I'm looking down from the press box, and I'm seeing the Petro with the sparks in the background mm-hmm. ho- hoist it, and I'm like, I know this might sound bizarre, and I probably said it before, but I don't care. It reminded me of 2015, NHL 2015, when I went on career mode and I picked the blues and I always stacked. I made my own character on there. Really? Sega and, Genesis? And then I would, no, no, it's PlayStation 4, damn Whatever. it. Whatever. But I would, I would win because I'd put on easy I mode. And played, blow everybody I haven't played since Sega Stop, Genesis. Me, and so I, at the end, when you win, you say, like, it's, the story, it's the same thing. And I'm like, I, I've been there. Is this the you have been there. I've been you there have before. lifted the chalice. But that's what it looked like. And I'm like, this isn't real. It wasn't real. Oh. Now it is. It's, it's kind of, we've been, we've hoisted the cup and all that stuff. But at the time, I'm like, this is this is fake. It looked fake. I, I know it sounds. Did you bizarre. get emotional? Yeah, I did. did you? I did, but I had like a job to do too. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of like, you know, I still getting on TV there. I'm like, I I, I got to be somewhat normal. I don't want to look back on this and be like, oh my god, I'm so corny. Oh my god. You know, but I, I was emotional. This this for Cam's a little different for me. Obviously, he was working and I was drinking, uh, but. <laughs> Uh, for me, I didn't become a St. Louis Blues fan until 1996, and I've learned the history of the Blues and what they've done and haven't done through being a part of the team and being a part of the alumni and whatever else. And for me, I just want—I was going to just stay at my house, and then I, my buddy Tim, that owns Top Shooters, he's got these uh, uh, golf simulators. I'm like, good-looking chicks. Oh no, okay. yeah, they got that too. They got good-looking chicks too. Um, but they, I'm like, can you? Can, you didn't watch TV on that thing? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. Set a table up, block it off. So we get there, and he had the sign made, Reed Lowe's hosting party and all that kind of <laughs> shit. Oh, he went, oh dude, awesome. he went all out. He, it's hilarious. He's the best guy yeah. ever. So anyways, I'm there. I got my family and, and some friends there. We're hanging out. We're drinking. You know, we're nervous first 10 minutes. Like, man, these guys are coming out firing. And then the two goals, and everyone's freaking out. The bar's packed. We're going crazy. And then it starts to dwindle down, and time's going, and you know you're going to win it. And I'm watching for that last 15 seconds as the camera pans back and forth. The bo- the boys are starting to jump up and down on the bench. It's yeah. like, I get shivers thinking about uh-huh. it. They're like, 
this is going to really happen. Like, the Blues are going to win the Cup, and then they did. And then I just kind of stood there and just kind of took in the way everybody was acting. And I'm just like, man, you know, for me, somebody that's only been here for part of this organization for 25 years and or 23 years, and for all of these people that are in this bar that have been wanting this moment for their entire life to be celebrating it, for me it was cool just to stand back and watch the city that I love celebrate maybe one of the greatest, for me, the greatest sports moment in St. Louis history. The, the reaction is great, and it's saying something. And I'm not, I don't think it's prisoner of the moment. I don't think in 10 years I'll go, oh, God, I can't believe I said that. The reaction to the Blue Stanley Cup win in 2019, I I've, I've, can remember two Cardinal World Championships, 2006 and 2011, I was too young for 82, is greater than the Cardinals winning the World Series. In a city like Green Bay with football that is synonymous with baseball, it's the hockey team that brought out this kind of emotion. Do you guys have any, I mean, you wore the note. Do you have any idea as to why you think that is? I think there's more hockey fans than you think, too. I, I really do. And maybe not hockey fans, but blues fans. I, I think people grew, that grew up here, whether they go to a ton of games or not, but they, they still understand what the blues have gone through, perhaps, and in the story and how they're the, the ups and downs and a lot of downs and a lot of, like, dreadful downs. And, they, and whether they're a big fan or not, you're still a part of that living in the city. So I, I think this everybody kind of came together on that. Whether you're a, a huge Blues fan or not, you're still a part of it. You've still seen what this organization has gone through for so long, mm-hmm. for so long. And then and then the buildup and the way it happened. I mean, you just it just was perfect. I mean, and, and it wasn't it was it wasn't a st- game six would have been perfect. Okay, maybe, but game seven is perfect in my mind because it's just never that easy, mm-hmm. and it's never that easy for this organization. It never has been, but I think just the city as a whole came together, and everybody understands the journey that this organization's gone through to get to this point, and I, that's why the reaction was yeah. the way it was. I think when you look at the Blues and the fans, they've always kind of been the secondary love because the Cardinals have been here forever. This is a baseball town, but it was a it's a huge secondary love, and whenever the Blues weren't doing what the fans wanted them to do. They always had the Cardinals in 2006, in 82, 2006, and 2011. They, they're always competitive for a team that's, you know, mid-market team. Mm. They're always top. They're always challenging for it. And I think when you take a look at what happened with the Blues, it's it's a little bit more about the, the, the 53 years, about the three losses in the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, Boston, you know, just all the things that happened with, you know, the Jacks Club night and yeah. Gloria and then just the coaching change and a team coming together. Layla. It, it, yeah, Layla. You know, you take a look. Uh, the last time Lord Brannigan played was in Boston on like January or July something 2004. Oh, really? And the Blues had a chance to win in Boston, you know, so many years later. And I think it's the story that comes along with it. I think it's the fact that. There was zero belief halfway through this season that this was actually going to happen. This has never happened in hockey before. I'm not even sure if it's happened in sports to be that far down. And so it's just that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, the Blues fans have been let down so many times, and there was multiple different op- opportunities for, for this to happen team again. to let them down again. And it never happened, including shitting the bed in Game 6. <laughs> yeah. And then going into Boston and winning it again just made it storybook and made it – you know, something like you said, they're going to write movies about this thing. Yeah. They're going to have TV shows about this thing. And so that's, for me, why it's the greatest uh, moment in St. Louis sports history, just because the way that it all happened, the way that it all transpired, and it's something that these fans, that are, they're, a little, they're a little different, these St. Louis Blues They're fans. crazy. They're crazy. <laughs> they're crazy. <laughs> crazy. That's why they love the tough guys. They're crazy. Yep. You know? So yep. it's just a super – I'm super excited for everybody in St. Louis that gets to enjoy this because, like I said, it's, it's an unbelievable moment. And I'm still kind of like – 
wow, this really happened. We won the cup, and we got we were able to to, to benefit from you know some of the glory too, mm-hmm. totally making out with the cup. Do, you know, whatever. I mean, you made out with a cam. I know that a little more I, than I, I did. I took a Z pack afterwards. You know, <laughs> that's the first time I've done that, Mike. For <laughs> was Kate witness to this yes, session? Yes, no, she, and was, she was uh, fine with it. No, it was a. That's like that was, was on your that was on your list. Is that an MMF? What is, what is, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know, I don't know the gender. Of, that's I don't the know the gender of the cup. But yeah, it you're is right. what that it is. is. I'll, I'll invite. <laughs> Look you. at Reed. Look at you. Like God. Who's he kidding? Boys, I've enjoyed the hell out of <laughs> this. This was great <laughs> shit. The fact that you started. I felt like you were. I was going to have to get in the middle of it, and I, th- I think I don't no, think that would have gone well. I don't think it would have gone well. I don't think it would have gone well. Really good at it. Oh, the Con Smythe discussion. I loved it. That was great shit. Cam Reed, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So there it is. Cam Jansen, Reed Lowe, little did I know as we wrapped that interview up, Gangster Pete was emotional. Gangster Pete, you are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios with me. I saw it out of the corner of my eye. I wasn't sure what I saw. You later confirmed that you were indeed emotional. What part got you going? It was just cool to see some guys that put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in the organization and how excited they were about what happened. And you always hear about how the athletes don't care as much as the fans do. Well, this was an example where a couple athletes did care. Oh, absolutely. Hockey, hockey, hockey is the exception to that rule. Absolutely. 100%. I've said that way before um, I, you know, had this emotional attachment to the blues that I now do. And that I think, you know, I used to um, go, God, the hockey regular season is about to start up. The Stanley Cup just ended. And now we got to act like this crap matters. And I'm not still not changing my opinion. The regular season, it's unfortunate, but it, it is whatever, you know, um, but my excitement, my enthusiasm and me looking forward to watching them play, even if it is kind of like, I'll oh, just a, you know, crap shoot. Once you get in, uh, I, I can't wait for it. I have a greater appreciation. I've become 10 times the fan of the game that I was going into the Winnipeg series and love it. And I would imagine, I hope it's the case. Maybe I'm overshooting it. I don't think so that you enjoy this conversation. I'm talking about you, the listener, uh, with Cam Jansen and Reed Lowe. It was one of those things where it's like, I'm here, and I guess I'm moderating it, but I, I was completely unnecessary, and if I could have snuck out behind Reed, I probably just would have let them go, and it would have been better. I loved it. Uh, I loved that conversation. It was exactly what I hoped it would be, and then what the con Smythe thing. And I got to tell you something. I kind of agree with Reed. I don't know. I mean, because his whole thing is they win the cup without O'Reilly, they don't win it without Bennington. I'm not necessarily sure about that because I think it's undervaluing O'Reilly's greatness and maybe focusing in part when he was really dealing with the cracked rib and was just like losing face-off after face-off and people were just like, something's wrong. Um, so I don't know. I But but yeah, having watched that Quest for the Cup on ESPN+, Plus, which I cannot recommend enough to you. Have you watched that, Pete? No, I want to. Oh, my God. It's you'll on be the list. You'll be a mess. You'll be an absolute mess. Good. Uh, it's incredible. But uh, it, it's just a reminder, not that people will ever forget, actually, what Bennington did in the first period in particular. But even when they were up 2 nothing, and I think it was the save on Nordstrom, uh, what Jordan Bennington did in that game. And then, you know, you see the, the angle of the game six knuckler one, and you're going, yeah, as crappy as it looked, that's probably going to beat a lot of NHL goalies. Uh, you know, it, the, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. Let me put it this way. Here's a theory. If the Bruins don't score what essentially was a cosmetic goal, I think Bennington has a much higher probability of winning the Conn Smythe, which is stupid. 
but I believe that to be the case. If he pitches a shutout on, in the, on the road in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, I think it increases his chances of winning the Conn Smythe exponentially, which is dumb because it's not like the goal they got was really relevant at the time that they got it. But it's kind of like Adam Wainwright. I think it was in 2009. He was going. He was on track to win this, uh, 20 games, and the bullpen blew it. He left the game 10, this is 10 years ago. In fact, I remember this was super weird yet again. Uh, and the bullpen blew it, and he wound up winning 19. And then Lincecum, I think, won the Cy Young. Carpenter and Wainwright split votes. And uh, and I really do believe if the bullpen doesn't blow that, Wainwright's a 20-game winner, and then he wins the Cy Young. As stupid as that is, I truly believe it. So things like that can happen because it is a, a voted on by people. Um, but either way, I just love those two going back and forth about it and the whole scheme of things. I don't know who really cares. I doubt Jordan Bennington really cares. I don't. Ryan O'Reilly really cares when it gets down to it. The bottom line is they have the big trophy. And to relive that whole thing with two guys who know, kind of get some insight on some things that you didn't know maybe going into it, uh, and their passion for it, ah, I loved it. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Those two, too, uh, perfect. So uh, tip of the cap to Iggy and uh, Gangster Pete for bringing them on board in the homeloanexpert.com studios. Email me anytime, whether it be for questions, for questions from the audience. You can ask anything, uh, and your confidentiality will be respected. If you want your name out there, feel free. Uh, but I'm not going to read it unless you say you go ahead and read my name or guest suggestions, whatever. Feedback's welcome. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. For Ryan Kelly, TheHomeLoanExpert.com. For Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. For James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. For Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at DesignAirService.com. And for Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, online at Landoff.com. Chevy Fine New Roads, I'm Tim McKernan. Thank you to all the sponsors. Thank you to our producers. Thank you to you for listening. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.